0: back at you this life ain't for everybody thank you all so much for downloading subscribing and supporting the partners and sponsors that keep us going here at our tv shows and our family of podcasts. today's episode of this life ain't for everybody is brought to you by our friends in lynchburg tennessee the most iconic brand in my opinion in the history of our country jack daniels Tennessee sour mash whiskey. Enjoy it responsibly. Never allow underage drinking. It's been there for us in so many of the good times, the sad times, the hard times, the easy times. Rely on it, but do it in moderation thank you jack daniels for believing in everything that we believe here in our culture of our lifestyle of the american outdoorsman the american griller and cooker and musician everything that goes into living a fulfilled lifestyle today's guest is an absolute badass in my opinion when it comes to music i met him a few times out on the road with the zach brown band i'd sit on the bus and watch him write once in a while with zach or do sound check check or what they call vocal harmonies and vocal warm. And all of the things that goes on behind the scenes, I was so humbled to be allotted that opportunity. Nico Moon, how are you, my brother? I'm great. How you doing, man? I love the hat, bro. It's freaking. You got. You, that, I was talking to my girlfriend the other day. Her name's Danny, and by the way, she's a huge fan. But she told me Nico Moon has the best taste and style in clothing and headwear in the game right now. Have you heard that already? <laughs>
1: No, I haven't heard that before, but I'll take it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I'm serious, man. You're always like done up. You like, you kind of got a red carpet vibe a lot of the times. But when, when, when I, the first time that I met you and I heard, um, I started to really like research what you had accomplished already. The songs that you've helped pin, um, it's amazing to me that you have that much to say, and that somebody can put it down in a three and a half minute story and have the whole world go, man, it's like, I can't get enough of it. I don't know if you've heard that about songwriting, but obviously that's why you're in the game because of the way that you can make people feel through your words and being able to do it in three and a half minutes and getting that reaction. So when you were doing that with Zach, I was like, Wow, these are my favorite Zach Brown songs, and Nico is pinned them with Zach and other other co-writers. Were, were you on like a this like a natural high in that in that little run that you had going on? It was it was a strong run that you were getting. You had a hit with Rascal Flats, several with ZBB. What was it about what you were pinning that these guys were loving so much?
1: You know, when when I write a song, it just it really depends on the artist. I like to. Uh, I really like to get into the mind of the artist that I'm working with. So uh, I usually, when I first get to know an artist, I like to just spend a couple of hours, just getting to know him. Fortunately was Zach, I known him for years. So it's a lot easier with him, but it's important that you really know what makes that person tick because uh, it's important for music to be authentic, you know? And uh, it's hard to write a song for somebody if you don't really know them well, you know, uh, but yeah you know, like you say, it's three and a half minutes. And my goal is to take you on a vacation, a three and a half minute vacation to either somewhere happy or, or uh, sad or wherever, you know, wherever it may be, you know, but kind of transport you to this to this place. And uh, it's a fun thing, you know, it's just like building anything else, building a house or working on a car, you know, I build songs, it's a, it's a I'm really lucky to have that be my job. <laughs>
0: I, I can't. I can't argue, bro. To the, f- I'm envious of when I talk to somebody and people that listen to my podcast a lot hear me talk about guys like Brent Cobb, Adam Hood, um, uh, Chris Knight from Kentucky, guys that I've been listening to for years where their words touch me. And you've written like you're a co-writer. Is this true that you helped write Heavy as the Head? Yeah. I, and this song was done with a uh, duo with Zach and the late great Chris Cornell of so many on audio slave and Soundgarden and so many awesome bands, temple of the dog. He did hunger strike with Eddie Vedder, which is an amazing song. That whole album is amazing. Did you know that you were writing for Cornell at this time? did it, was it already spin to be a, a duo with those two?
1: Yeah, it was.
0: Oh Wow, man.
1: It was that. Well, I mean, that was the goal. You know, uh, Chris had Zach reached out to Chris and said, you know, I'd love to do a song with you on that, on the record. And Chris said he was into it. So through the writing of it, that was the, the mind frame, you know, was uh, Chris is going to be singing on this. So, you know, diving back into um, all of his great records that he's made and starting to get a You know, it's one thing to like listen, listen to an artist, but then to write for them, you know, you kind of got to like really dig into like how they do, how they think of melodies, how they do runs, how they lyrically like to think, you know, uh, so that whatever you write for them will be natural for them. And it'll be something that they'll want to, they'll want to sing, yeah, hopefully.
0: But it's crazy to me though, like how how people try to put musicians in a box. And one of the things with like Zach over his career is that he never wanted to be put into that box. He would, he would say things like, well, I'm not, just country music i'm not country western i'm not he's always had so many different levels to the point to where they're like the best cover band of all time with 14 like 14 number one hits and grammys and all of these awards that they've won but they can do the covers as good as anybody with devil went down to georgia they've done the beastie boys they've done guns and roses they've they've done things to where you're just like is Jimmy really rapping King ad rock and MCA and Mike D right now at the beastie boys and seven they They're it, you can never put them in the box. So when you go to try to define a Nico moon career or a Nico moon track or a Nico moon cut, you have that song we just referred to heavy as the head Nico with like a, a pure bonafide badass rock God and Chris Cornell. I mean, the guy yeah. is as good as, I mean, he is like, he is like Axel Rose and freaking Scott. Wy- I mean, he's Robert Plant and Freddie Mercury. He's up there on that level.
1: Yeah. He's one of the greatest rock singers of all time,
0: of all time. In my, and in my, opinion. <laughs> my opinion too. And, but when you try to put Nico moon in the box, it's almost like you're wearing a shirt right now. That's got Bob on it. You got, you got the reggae flow. Like when you, when I sit there and listen to good times, which I can't get enough of good times for the last, I don't even know how many months, but <laughs> when you, when you hear it, you're like, Oh my gosh, that's a little Ben Harper at a jack johnson concert with a campfire but then he just dropped an alabama song lyric with peach or with apple uh moonshine and it's got this country vibe mixed into this like dialect and and delivery that's not your steel guitar george Strait sound but you are from the state of texas you you, you moved to the state of georgia which so many great acts come out of today in country music all kinds of musical genres how how do you define it? Can you Can you, if Rolling Stone's interviewing you, could you say, my music is defined as this? Like, put it into a category at all?
1: I think the most important job an artist has is to figure out how to be as honest and as genuine with their sound as they can possibly be as far as to who they are. It's gotta be like almost... To get the goal is to become as much of a mirror reflection as to who you are as a person, what your influences are, how you grew up, where you grew up. And yeah, so I was born in Texas. My dad uh, and my mom are both major music fanatics and my dad's really into uh, a lot of like country singer songwriters, people like John Prine and a lot of uh, Amy Lou Harris, people like that. So I was kind of growing up on that singer songwriter, country folk, vibe, you know, and uh, because when you're a kid, you know, what you listen to is what your parents listen to. (laughs) You haven't developed your own taste yet, you know. Uh, And then moving to Georgia, uh, the the town that I grew up in was about an hour outside of Atlanta. So it was a town called Douglasville. And I was probably 15 minutes away from Travis Tritt. And uh, I used to see him around town sometimes. And then Alan Jackson lived about 30 minutes south of me. So that was my environment, but I was also an hour from Atlanta. So I was getting that influence of Outkast and Ying Yang and Goody Mob and all that stuff coming from Atlanta. And I love the way that the drums and the bass sounded, you know, I was like riding to school with my little S10 and they, my goal was to just make my truck speakers blow up, you know, and uh, I just loved the way the drums hit. But when it came to like the lyric, Travis and Alan was really who I was relating to because they were telling my life with their lyrics and so when i'm asked to kind of like describe what my sound is that is what my sound is i can't really say it's like a particular thing or yes this is country or yes this is it's just me this is me this is my vibe just listen to a couple of songs they all kind of got the that vibe because it's all me so i would just say listen to my music and you'll catch on pretty quick like what my particular vibe is but i love country music i love all the organic instrumentation i love storytelling as a songwriter that's like my goal is to tell stories but in like a to me John Prine was the best at it but to be clever and conversational at the same time and it's a really difficult thing to do he was the best I think I've ever heard anybody do it and um, I'm just trying to do that with my music And and you know it's funny you bring up Bob because that's my other major influence is reggae and the the biggest influence that reggae has given me isn't really anything musically as far as the instrumentation or anything. It's the mentality of reggae music that I really identify with. I love positivity. I love making people happy. And so that's what I really want to bring in to my style. I guess you could say of, of country music, you know, because it, it is, it's a style of country. It's if, if you wanted to put it in a genre, it's definitely country music, but it's my own way of doing country and it's very glass half full very positive. Uh I don't do sad songs when it comes to my own music. Now when I write for someone else, you know, I'm totally down to write those type of songs, but for my own music, I just feel like it's kind of my calling in life to to make no pun intended, but good time music, you know.
0: <laughs> and and when you talk about the 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 ins influences and inspirations, like if you look all the way back to like one of the greatest rock bands we just touched on Cornell, but in the history of rock music, Aerosmith has had an unbelievable career. You've met Steven Tyler. I've seen Steven on stage with Zach and you've been around him songwriting and doing the things that you've done in 1986. He had three black guys from Catskill and Queens, New York rapping on walk this way called run DMC. And then 25 years later, he's putting out a country based album in the city of Nashville, singing on stage with some of the biggest country acts of the time. And it just shows you that how, how those influences take somebody like Steven Tyler and Joe Perry and that entire Aerosmith, you know, culture of of that band, the image of that band, like they are, you can't really say that they're just heavy metal. They're just rock and roll. They got a lot of different R and B and soul. And there's so many different sounds that they've done. And now you fast forward to Nico Moon's career. You're almost, you're saying the exact same thing of like, it's like this, just like America. It's like this melting pot of do you don't have to apologize for who you are? When a lot of times I was like, why is FLG putting Nelly on traditional country radio? Is that authentic? Is that legitimacy or is that disrespectful to the outlaws, to the George Straits, to the Robert Earl Keens or the Hayes Carls or these guys in Texas that, that are like Corey Morrow and Pat green and the guys that, that your mom and dad probably had you listening to for years. Um, is it a slap in the face to country music? I don't know how to talk on that subject, Nico, because I'm like, if it's country, leave it on country radio. Why are you bringing hip hop over here? Even though Nelly is country and Nelly's got a huge country impact and his rapping and his hip hop, he's, he's great at what he does. I don't know if that's even an argument in Nico Moon's mind or is everything okay in country music radio on 16th and 17th Avenue, Nico?
1: Yeah, I don't mind talking on that at all. You know, I got a pretty uh, deep feeling on that, I guess you would say. And that is that to me, there's only two kinds of music. There's, to me, there's good music and bad music. And um, I think FGL is being authentically themselves. That's who they are, you know? That's what they like, you know? And so that's the kind of music that they're making. And I think that every artist out there should be free to make the kind of music that they make. It's a big world. There's a lot of people out there. uh, You know, a lot of music fans out there and there's a, a a type of music for everybody. And even within country, there's many different types of country music, you know? Uh, And so there, there is that country listener out there who loves Sturgill and Jason Isbell and Chris Stapleton and, There's that country listener that loves Sam Hunt, and FGL, and Dan and Shay, and, you know, and everything in between, you know, the John parties of the world, all of it, you know, Um, there's enough pie, there's enough pieces of pie for everybody, you know? And so the way I look at it is, is if there's a particular like world of country music that you're not really into, it's all good, because I'm pretty sure that there is, you know, a lot of other kinds of country music, that you'll like just listen to that and don't listen to the stuff that you don't like you know
0: and do you think that do you think that country radio has gotten so saturated that it's hard to tell what is actually country music or does it go back to there's so much of this melting pot going on that it's all got country influence but isn't it's not, doesn't sound like Jamie Johnson and it doesn't sound like Amarillo by morning. Is it okay yeah. for country music to be so diverse, Moon?
1: It is, man. Um, I almost think it's necessary because uh, there's no growth without evolution, right? I mean, uh, there was a time when drums weren't allowed on the Opry stage, you know, it was pretty much mountain music, you know, banjos and fiddle, you know, can't bring dr- drums. were not, a part of it, you know? I mean, the first time a drummer played on the Opry stage, he had to sneak the drums on. So, and when you listen to a lot of electric guitars in modern country music, I mean, they're what 20 years ago would be considered rock guitars. And now it's, it's very accepted that these electric guitar sounds are country music now, you know, even with the most traditional of country artists, you know, using these uh, these particular electric guitar tones that were never considered country music you know when i think of when the outlaws came when when Merle and and all these guys came through this was a whole new style of country music than their daddy's country you know what i mean and there was a lot of pushback against that kind of country music but they were just doing country music the way that they they wanted to express country music it was their style of country i remember i remember when alabama was like A lot of people were mad about Alabama, saying Alabama was too pop, you know? It wasn't, like, real country, you know? But now Alabama's considered, like, its country as it gets, you know? Right. (laughs) So it's all... To me, it's like every 10 years, every 10 or 15 years, there's like a particular vibe with country music. And so you can kind of, oh, that's 90s country. Oh, that's 80s country. Oh, that's 70s country. Oh, that's 50s country. And they all have their own type of vibe. And you hear it all progressing. It's all country music. And they're all completely different, completely different instruments, completely different melodies, everything. Uh, The one thing that you notice, though, that's this constant is the story, this, this, uh story about rural life, what it's like in small town America, you know, growing up in small town America, falling in love, breaking up in small town America. It's all centered around this, this rural uh, environment. And to me, that's, and, and, and this uh, this way of telling the story more in, in a very like storytelling way, you know, and a lot of pop music, rock music, hip hop music, things can get a little more Uh, esoteric in the way that you'll talk about a lyric, like in a rap song, you may say a line and then the very next line could be a whole nother thing. I mean, you just jumped, you know, to this whole other thought. And it's almost like painting, you know, uh, where sometimes a guy will paint and it's a very realistic picture. And then this other guy paints and it's like modern art and it's more up to interpretation. It's almost how I think of like country songwriting and maybe like a hip hop songwriting uh, method, you know, it's both art. They're just two different styles. And I love me personally. Like, I really like that storytelling way of laying it out. So the story and what the stories are about, that's country music. I think people get a little hung up on like what instrument is being used. Like, Oh, is that a country instrument or not? You know I mean? Some of these instruments weren't even considered country instruments. Uh, 10, 10 years ago, and the country instruments used then weren't considered country mi- instruments 10 years ago. Country music is evolving and it, it's totally okay if if what you fell in love with when you first started listening to country, like if you grew up on 70s country and that's to you what country is and you're not really into modern country, that's, that's totally fine, that's all good, you know? And there's all that music for you to, to love and enjoy. And then, you know, kids growing up now, they listen to like their grandpa's country and they don't quite vibe with it. They like it, but the new, the more modern country is really their what they're into because it's, it's the vibe that they like. Then that's, that's cool as well. You know, it's all good.
0: When you talk about um, you know, what people are listening to on a personal level, Nico moon, do you, are you a a listener of the, of a song based on what your heart, or soul is feeling at that time. Like let's say if somebody has their, their summertime swimming pool playlist, they got their workout playlist. They got their yeah. going to sleep playlist is, is when I picture a Nico moon playlist, I almost think that you can bounce just like you said, that rap layer goes from here to there sporadically, or that modern art painting just pops off and it's just oils being thrown at that canvas. Whereas Bob Ross was like, all right, your son's got to be right here. And, <laughs> and this little rabbit head, is a Nico Moon playlist. Can you listen to Three Little Birds and then Mama Tried and then uh, Walk This Way by Run DMC? And and can you listen to it all every day like that? Or do you have like, no, right now I'm going to go listen to Alan Jackson's greatest hits or I'm going to go listen to Don Williams and the Gentle Giant sing for the next 60 minutes. How do you, how do you, um, you know, engulf your music? How do you listen to it?
1: I typically jump around. I typically jump around. Sometimes I'll, I'll listen based on what mood I'm in. But, you know, sometimes you just turn, that's the power of music. Sometimes you turn on the radio and a song comes on. That's not the vibe that you're in at the moment, but it puts you, it takes you to that place. You may hear a heartbreak song. You're not heartbroken at all, but it 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 puts you 10 years ago in that, that moment when you got your heart broke. And so uh, that, that's the amazing thing about music, it can transport you. But usually, usually I'm jumping all over the place. Uh, I just, I don't know, I think uh, doing this all day, every day, it's just like anything else, right? If you do something all day, every day, you work that muscle and it gets better and better over time, right? And so I think kind of over over the years, I've just uh, kind of got my, my musical mind at a place where I can kind of dive in deep uh, to a song and then dive in deep into a completely different type of song. And I don't really need to like listen to a whole record of something to get into that zone. I can kind of get right there.
0: This is putting you on the spot again, <laughs> but you mentioned Atlanta. You mentioned the outcast, uh Rosa park. Sorry, Miss Jack. I mean, there's songs that are out of that area. Lil John, there's yeah. so Lil Wayne is genius to me. If I listen to a Wayne, yeah. record. I'm talking from the young money days to where he's at his duo with Eminem with uh, no love that he did with Eminem. Unbelievable lyrics. Like the way this cat can wordsmith and Marshall matters too. like
1: he's the best rapper.
0: I think. Of, oh, he's so good. And Eminem. I
1: think, think Wheezy's the greatest rapper.
0: Oh, he's amazing. I, I'm not, I'm not, I, w- I couldn't, I couldn't ever argue that I, that's where I was going with putting you on the spot. Nico is, could you give me your Mount Rushmore? And if you need to add a fifth, Could you give me your Mount Rushmore of hip hop? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So four? Yeah, and if you want to add a fifth, you can.
1: Sure, yeah. So my four would be, uh, well, uh, Lil Wayne, um, Jay-Z. Even though they're a group, Outkast, because uh, I just think sonically, the way that they made Atlanta the way that they brought that Atlanta sound, I mean, it, it, you just feel like, you know, it's like it's got that church, that like Southern church vibe to it, gospel church vibe to it, jazz, that Southern jazz, you know. Uh, oh, my God, just the, 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 things, the things that they did, to the hip hop music, it, it was so revolutionary. Um, so that's three. And then uh, Eminem would probably have to be my fourth.
0: Oh, I'm so glad you said that because I didn't want to argue the fact that there are peaks and valleys in a musical career and M's had them, but as a whole, his library is he's, I think he's almost 48 now and his new album. I listened to some of the words and lyrics on his new album and I'm a lyric guy. I like when you hear me talk about the songwriters I like, that's why I really pay attention to your lyric, like the songs you've written, whether it was beautiful drug or heavy as the head or good times or all these songs The lyric is always out front to me. You've mentioned musicianship and the instrumentals that go in from the sit down, steel guitar to the drums and the percussion, to all of the things that have been introduced into music. I'm a lyric guy. I love music. Don't get me wrong. I love hip hop and the way it makes me feel. I love slash. And I love the, the, the the guitar solos that he would rip off or, um, but the lyric to me is so important. And when you listen to what M's laying down today, I'm like, man, that is so clever. I love the wittiness and the cleverness in it and how yeah. it makes me think. The double yeah. standards, the double meanings, the du- whatever that's called in a songwriter's diction or vocabulary or jargon, I'm like, wow, he just said that, but he's really saying this. And it makes me like, yeah. oh man, that is clever to be able to come up with that this many years later and to stay relevant. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that you said him as one of your top because I look at Wheezy and I look at what Jay-Z's done. There's Big L, there's Eric B and Rackham who, you know, Rackham's considered one of the best lyricists of all times. But man, I just have a hard time arguing those two Lil Wayne and Eminem when, and especially when they get together, Nico, I'm just like, dang it, man. I could listen to that stuff all day. And i have never apologized from the early eighties of my hip hop influence because I was born in the seventies and I'm very proud of that because one, you can't stop the hands of time. You never, you don't, you can't tell or can't depict when you're going to be born. So it's better just to love it and figure out why. And I look back at my childhood and how influential music was Nico moon of, I got to have the outlaws in the late seventies as a kid with my dad and then i got to have the ACDCs and zeppelin was still powerful at that time and then he got into the mid 80s and guns and roses started coming out and then at that time you get in the late 80s you had garth and the hat pack coming out with chestnut and tracy lawrence and vince travis tritt and vince gill and all these guys that were killing it at that time the best era country music arguably there ever was maybe yeah, and then I, and I sit there and I look at all of these influences and then it right there at the nineties hit and here comes Eminem and here comes this whole new variety of hip hop. And here comes this whole new class of, of, of rock and roll, which was Nirvana and the grunge and the Pearl jams and the Chris Cornell's and in the green days. And I was like, man, my musical influences are unbelievable. So when I sit back and I go, my first concert was iron maiden was opened for by, uh-huh. by, by D Snyder and twisted sister in 1986. I'm like, I was an a I was a 10-year-old or 11-year-old kid watching this go down in the 80s in in Lawler Event Center. And I'm like, those are memories that can never be taken away. The influences will never be taken away of what it meant for me to see we're not going to take it or the I want to rock videos. Where I'm going with that, Nico Moon, is... As, as a As a relevant artist today in today's world of a songwriter that has pinned so many awesome songs, and now you're on this this career of of actually being the deliverer now. It was Sir Roosevelt, now it's the Nico Moon career. Do you feel like you have a chance to be that relevant, to be that inspirational and influential to a ten-year-old kid like I was? Seeing D. Snyder do his thing on stage, or listen to what Run DMC and LL Cool J was doing in hip hop, or what Travis Tritt was doing in the late uh, the late eighties. Do do you feel like you have that ability? to bring it like that and leave that mark in music is, and it's not just your career. It's where music is at with the ease of getting it, the content's so readily available. Now you don't even need to go buy a vinyl anymore or read the cliff notes or the thank you notes or the acknowledgements or anything. I was so engulfed in the whole process of the record store, the videos, MTV, Friday night videos, the concerts, all of this. Do you feel that you have a fair shot? do Do you feel you have a fair shot of being able to deliver that whole thing anymore?
1: I hope so. You know, I I hope that some kid out there might get impacted by my music the way I was impacted by some of my favorite artists, you know? I think that's one of my main drivers is, I just love music so much and I love people so much. And I'm lucky that I'm able to like, kind of bring those two things together with what I do. And if I could, inspire some kid to really fall in love with music or think about music in a new way that they never had before. That would, that would be awesome. That would make all of this worthwhile.
0: And when you're writing, do you consider your fan base, Nico, or do you just consider what your heart's telling you at that time, or do you picture that 20 year something that might be going on his first date? He might get to go to his first camping trip or his first hunting excursion, his first concert, his first festival. Do you, what goes through your mind when you're pinning something that is going to have your stamp of approval on it?
1: So when I write for myself, I do a balancing act between it's gotta be personal. It's gotta be a real experience that I've had. You know, it's got to mean something to me. I don't like to write for myself conjured stories, you know, of like a, create a story to tell, you know. I want it to be, or they're stories, but they're true stories. Um, but at the same time, you're doing this knowing that potentially millions of people are going to be listening to it. Like Good Time, you know, Good Time's got 120 million streams right now. And when, you, when you're writing a song knowing that millions of people are going to hear that, uh, I'm definitely thinking to myself, like, how are they going to process it? And, and and the main thing that I want them to do is to not get caught up in me trying to talk about myself and my personal story. I want them to make the story their own. Like when I talk about falling in love, I don't want them to really be thinking about me falling in love with my wife. I want them to be thinking about them falling in love with their person, you know? Um, I want them to take ownership of the song and have it be this like momentary soundtrack to this experience in their life, you know? So that's, that's the goal. That's when you really fall in love with music, or at least when I really fall in love with it is when I take it and it, and it's, and, it, and I make it mine, you know, I think those are the songs that really get down deep and that get that sentimental value. It's like that sentimental song that you were listening to when you're with your dad heading out to go fishing for the first time or something. And it's like imprinted into that moment. So when you hear the song, you think of the moment, um, or when you're having that slow dance with that girl for the first time, and that song gets imprinted into your mind with that moment, you know, that's what you want. You want, you want the song, to meld in, in, into their life experience and it to be theirs, not yours anymore.
0: When you, when you think about the experiences that you've written on so far, does it bring you back to a place of trying to figure out how the greatest do the same thing? Like, it's gotta be a goal all the time to, to get it's i'm not saying that you're chasing money a musician doesn't have to chase money but that song being heard by the masses and catching on to become a hit or to become and in in the definition of a radio hit is a little bit different today because there's a lot of ways that it can happen but 120 million streams of good times your mom and dad worked their butts off their whole lives to get how many however many people listen to the songs that they were inter, you know that they were introducing to the world at that time in the state of Texas In today's world, is it easier to get off the track of authenticity, Nico, and just say, it's going to be out there. It's going to be heard by this many millions of people. Or do you feel that authenticity is first and foremost, still the basis of every lyric that you're going to write? And what I mean by that is that I feel, and I hope that you don't get mad at me for saying this, but I think there's a lot of cubicle country that comes out of this little room in Nashville by these robots that just are pumping out these paper songs. And they're getting picked up and they're being sang. And I might be wrong on that, but it just seems like there's a lot of unauthentic to where the deliver the song may have never even had that experience to where you're sitting here telling me you're writing from experiences that you experience, but you want the the reader, the listener the interpreter of that song to depict his or her own version of it and feel what they want to feel from it. But it's still coming from a place of authentic- authenticity. I'm sure that's how your dad would want his songs to be remembered, how you want your songs to be remembered. But I think in a world that's self gratification, it's so easy to get a song out there now in all these different formats. It's almost like, there's a lot of ability or or, or opportunity to be unauthentic. I don't know if that makes sense to you, but it seems to me like when I listen to your lines, you live this, you live that campfire and hearing Dixieland delight on the radio, coming out of those Jeep speakers while you're sipping on a little bit of that moonshine. It's gotta be authentic, authentic, correct? For sure. I think people can sense it. You
1: know, you can sense when something just doesn't sound right. It doesn't sound like they've really, know what they're talking about or haven't really experienced that, you know, or maybe, you know, this person singing about a heartbreak that you don't, you're not, you know, I don't know if this person's really gone through that or not. I don't know if people, people are a lot smarter than they give themselves credit for, I think, when it comes to, uh, or maybe that the, the writers give them credit for on sensing that, if something is real or not. And I don't know how everybody, I mean, I won't say, I mean, I, I do a lot of rights here in town, right? Uh, I guess what you would call session session writing, writing sessions, uh, a Nashville session where you go in at like 11 o'clock and you write and it's to pitch to another artist. Um, So it's a little, it depends. It's like from my own music. uh, It's a different path, you know, because I'm lucky enough to where I'm able to write my own songs. uh, I produce my own songs. uh, The whole process is, uh, homemade I guess you would say I mean my studio is upstairs it's I make it at my house you know uh so it's a little different I think from a typical country artist who is maybe going through a, a big list of songs that were pitched to them and they're but I'll tell you what from from doing a lot of that and you know I got a song out right now with Dirk Bentley called Gone it's his right it. now. and um you know uh from what from what I've talked to him about it, you know, he just really resonated with that song. It was like it spoke to him because that's what that's what he wanted to say, you know. And I think when an artist, when you're pitching songs out, I, I know maybe to the outside person who isn't in this world, it might come across as being inauthentic. But not everybody can write and be an artist and 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 produce their own music and do all that stuff. You know, some people are really really amazing singers and can just flat out just move people to tears because they're such a great singer, but maybe, you know, uh, the songwriter, their songwriting bone maybe isn't quite as strong as their performance bone. And then you got a songwriter here in town who's one of the great, right. Some of the greatest songs you've ever heard, but maybe doesn't have the greatest voice. And so that person can write this song and this person can sing it. And it doesn't make any of it, to me, like inauthentic because w- these artists who don't write their own stuff, but they're going through literally thousands of songs. And what they're looking for is that song that speaks to them that says, yes, this. If I could have said it, I couldn't have said it any better than this. You know, they identify with it. Uh, it feels like them because they got so many options, so many choices. So. I know some people think that like when they hear a song, it's like, oh, that doesn't feel authentic. It's like, I don't know about that. If that person's singing it, it's because they really identify with it. And then also in my personal experience, the people who are really in this for money and really in this to be famous and rich, uh, they usually don't last too long. The people that I've encountered here in Nashville who do really great and do really great for long periods of time, truly love love what they do. And they would be doing it anyways, you know, like when I first started doing music, I I couldn't believe someone one day paid me to do it. I was going to do it anyways that night at the house. You know what I mean? So, and most people like that are, are, are that way. I know some people maybe might hear a song. I know what you're saying, so I'll say this. I know some people might hear a song on the radio, no particular song, I'm not gonna say some particular song, but they might hear a song and say, that sounds pretty formulaic, that sounds pretty generic, and you use all the cliches or, or, or whatever it might be, that doesn't really, I don't know, that, that doesn't, how can there be that song on the radio? And maybe this particular song that I really like isn't on the radio that song is on the radio because millions and millions and millions of people love that song. It, it, the, the, the way that, that, the radio radio stations don't play it just for the heck of playing it. You know, they play it and and they're able to see who's listening, how many people are listening. If, if they like the song, if they don't like the song, they're constantly like re, uh, doing, um, uh, uh, call-ins to, uh, their local markets to see what songs are you liking? What songs are you not liking that we're playing? Uh, you know, I guess you could call it research with their listeners and every market's different. Like the songs that are being played in New York on New York country radio station and the song that's being played, the songs that are being played on the Austin country radio stations are different songs, you know, because it's a different, it's a different group of people. Uh, you know, I mean, culturally, they're just different, you know, uh, as far as, uh, you know, you kind of got that more, that Texas mindset in Texas. So they're going to be a little more leaning on the more traditional side of country music. They're probably going to be more into like Stapleton and party and the more, uh, Luke Combs and the more traditional sounding. And then maybe in LA or New York, they might be listening more to, to the, maybe the more progressive style country artists like me or, or, uh, Dan and Shay or, or Sam Hunt or something along that line, you know, uh, but at the end of the day, if a song is really popular on the radio, it's because a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of people are really enjoying it. It's just that you might not be enjoying it, yeah. <laughs> but that's because you got your own particular taste, but there, trust me, there are millions and millions of people. And that's why when that artisan go, goes and plays a show and a whole stadium full of people show up, that's the, the proofs in the pudding, right? Yeah.
0: <laughs> so that, a big you, world.
1: you know, it's a big world. That's why I keep saying like, there's like, there's room for everybody. And I, maybe that's just me being glass half full. I like choosing to view things that way, but I really believe it in the sense that there's room for everybody. And you can really like an artist and they be really big and popular. And you can really not like this other artist, but they're still really big and popular because a lot of other people like that music. And we don't all have to like the same things, you know? Don't have Some to. people like dark chocolate. Some people like milk chocolate. Nobody's yeah. right or wrong, man. It's just taste, you
0: know? I agree. And I think that, you know, you mentioned, um, there is a talent. There is a science in picking the right song. If you're not the writer or the pinner of that song, George Strait made a career at it. You know, yeah. he, I don't know how many number one hits he made for Dean Dillon, Sang of Dean Dillon's, oh, but a lot. Um, yeah, Jason Aldean. A lot of of Dean. Don't
1: know that. A lot Jason of George Strait wrote all those songs. You know, Dean Dillon wrote almost oh, every one of his number yes. one hits. A lot of people are like, Who's Dean Dillon? You know?
0: Yeah, yeah because but, he never became the face, but he was always the guy in the background. That's why the lyric was so important to me is that songwriters never got back when I was listening to music, you always knew who sang it. I but I, I was the one that would go into the, the acknowledgements, be like, yeah. I wonder who Saul Hudson is. Oh, that's Slash's real name. Oh, Bill Bailey is Axel's real name. Those are the writers on the song where their legal names. Yeah. And I, and I always wanted to try to figure out who the songwriter was, but guys like Al Dean or George that have made George has written some songs on his, on his, on his latest CDs and his latest albums that he's yeah. that he actually pinned. But for years it was from, from the chair, Dean Dylan wrote almost every, you know, 55 yeah. of the number one George Strait hits. I bet she was on half of them probably. Um, sure. But there's this and other when you
1: think part- about it too. It's like, you know, if it wasn't, for Dean Dillon there would be no George Strait and no, and so many millions of people love George Strait yeah. and and but if if there wasn't a Dean Dillon you know and so to me that's a really I'm glad you brought them up they are a great example of the songwriter artist relationship and how it can be when it's right, how powerful that can be. I mean, mm-hmm. look what they did. I mean, it's one of the most icon- some of the most iconic songs of all time in country music are because of this songwriter artist uh, relationship. And so sometimes it's, it's someone like a Chris Stapleton who writes everything themselves, you know, and sings it, you know, and then sometimes it's Dean and, and George Strait where it's that type of relationship. And, and it's, and they're both right because at the end of the day, it's what it's really about is great music. And a great song. A song and, what, and
0: what you said though, about, of, if you're going to pick that song, it's got to be something that like Craig Morgan came on here and he told me I've sang songs that I didn't write. And I, I, the only reason I sang him is because I felt I could, that's how I would have written it. Kind of what you just said. Yeah. So when you so, see, jo- when you see George in a resist all hat and a Wrangler jeans and his start shirt at a, at a calf roping event. Yeah. And then you hear him sing Amarillo by morning or the cowboy rides away or something. Whoever was writing those songs, George was picking them based on, I would write like that. That's my cowboy West Texas. That's how I live my life. So when you fast, when you fast forward into 2015 to 2020, there's artists that are, where I would have argued, I almost got in an argument two weeks ago driving home from Idaho, Nico. I, um, one of my producers of our TV show was telling me that um, Morgan Wallen did not write. The way i talk and i said no way dude that's like morgan's like anthem right like when i first heard the way i talk i was like that's a rad song but my my producer tyson made a comment that's just the nashville machine pushing out some more clever lyrics because he says some things in there about i get louder when i'm cheering on the volunteers, volunteers. and I slow, yeah. it slows down with two or three cold beers and i was like that person has been to tennessee that person has lived that life of the tennessee country boy." but Morgan didn't write that song. And then I'm like, well, he had to have written whiskey glasses. He didn't write that one either, but he's picking these songs that now that he is writing and now that he is getting some pin time and he's getting some, some celebrity out there or some stardom, people are like, well, he's got all of these great songs already where he had to do a good job in picking the right ones that showed who he really was. Now, I don't know Morgan Wallen, but I bet you he's a good partier. He's a country boy. And him and Hardy are probably sitting on that tailgate talking about this big bass on the wall and this duck pond and the things that they they sing about. They probably have lived that life, but they had to pick those songs that they didn't even write. I would have bet money that he wrote those songs. Does that make (laughs) sense what I'm saying?
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, and I'm a little biased because I got I got a song coming out with Morgan Waller next month, uh, on his new album called More Surprise Than Me. So uh make make sure to take a listen on it. It's like I the, will. It's on you know, he's coming out with his double album. Yeah. It's on the it's on the first one. But uh he's really great at at picking songs and and it's not one or the other, right? Like this, he's a great example. Like he writes on some of his songs and he doesn't write on some of his songs. And a lot of artists uh, are like that. Uh, it's not that they don't, you know, just because they cut other songs that they don't write doesn't mean they don't write at all. They can be great songwriters, but maybe, uh, You know, uh, I I know a lot of songwriters. I mean, a lot of artists here in town who are really great songwriters. And what they do is they put all their songs in the pile and all these other songs that they find in the pile. And they don't have any bias. They say best song wins. And then they pick the 12 or 14 best songs, regardless if they had a part of it or not, you know? Um, And I think that to me takes a lot of strength because a lot of, a lot of artists, you know, It's hard, right? To like, your ego wants to fight and say, oh, no, this one, because I had a part in it, you know, but the one that can see through that and say, but this is the better song, regardless, you know, those are the ones that, that usually do really well. It's different for everybody. There's a million different ways to do this. Just like there's a million different ways to write a song. I got my personal way. I like to build a song and Every other songwriter here in town has a completely different way. It's the fun thing about getting in these rooms with these people, writing with them, because we all got a different method of doing it. And being an artist is the same way. I choose to write all my own songs, and produce my own songs, kind of do the kind of like, do the DIY way of doing it. And there's other people that like, they want to be the voice and they pick songs and have other people produce them. And then there's people who are kind of like in the middle and it's a hybrid and there's no right or wrong. Like I said, I'll come back to it again. All that matters is great music. If great music happens and great songs happen that move people, then, then that's all that mattered. And however you get there, it doesn't matter. There's a million different ways to get there.
0: Is it, is it correct to think that doing it your way is because you don't want to leave any money on the table, even though Morgan Wallen can create, (laughs) have a number one hit. As a businessman, Nico Moon gets a number one hit. He gets the publishing. He gets all of that. If if Morgan does it, he he's going to make some money for the songwriters, the publishing company, all that. I don't know if you're with the publishing company or if you own all of your yeah. own publishing. But isn't there money left on the table doing it the way Morgan Wallen does it? Instead of saying, okay, I'm hot right now. I'm going to go and work better at becoming a better songwriter to where now I can up my brand and my business more, or does that even enter an artist's head of leaving money on the table? Because I've also heard it said Nico moon that a lot of deliverers of the song today, the performers, the guys that, and the girls that are actually on the radio, they do want to be writing more of their own stuff. Is it because of the money in the publishing or is it because of ego? What is telling an artist that I got, I want to have only my own songs now.
1: You can't leave money on the table. That ain't there. So, oh, good point. If you, all, if you pick all your own songs, because you don't want to leave money on the table, and then none of them songs are hits, you ain't got no money, anyways. You know what I mean? So, the main thing is to make sure you got great songs that people are going to love, and that, and I think most, most, most artists are, are more concerned with the live aspect of it, and as far as like a. Uh, I don't really like to think too much about this stuff because I like to stay focused on just the art aspect of it, but on the I guess the money side of how artists thinks about making a career in this, the live, the the live aspect is where the where all of that is, you know. Um the, the 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 publishing is a pretty small piece of the pie compared to the revenue from from live shows. So, uh if an artist is really wanting to to write to write more, then uh, I don't see why anyone would hold them back from doing that. They can write more as long as they're being on. I mean, they, but they may be at that place where they're not being honest with themselves so fully. And they're like, I don't wrote all these songs. And then the label may say, yeah, but these songs over here that you didn't write are better. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I decided to just uh, skip that. And, and, and I just did the record by myself at the house. And then I showed up to the label and said, this, here's the album. It's done would you want to sign me? You know? So there wasn't really any room to kind of like change it or, 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 or anything so that's, how like so, that.
0: that's how Sony signed you is that you, you had the Jamie Johnson approach of go to LA, kind of make the lonesome song, come back. And there's almost a bidding war on what Nico, Nico Moon's body of work is sitting here that you did upstairs in your house in Nashville. And now the record companies are like, Hey, we want that. That can happen that you can go backwards and back into a record deal. Is that what you're telling me?
1: Well, I, I mean, I think it's kind of how it happened, but it wasn't intentional. I did it because I just didn't know if anyone, the reason why I did it by myself is I just didn't know if anyone was going to give a shit or not that I was making an album. And and I, I wanted to to kind of be able to really focus in. And I wrote the whole thing with my wife. And a lot of people don't know that. My whole album, every song I wrote with my wife. And the reason I chose to do that is because uh, she's my best friend. And I want, like I said, I want the songs to be uh, personal and who knows me better than her? And and that's a big thing with a co-writer, right? They need to know you well. And she's a f- phenomenal, phenomenal songwriter. So I knew she would be the best choice. And I got one of my best friends to be my co-producer and we produced it together. And uh, we basically finished it. And then I started showing it. I showed it to my publisher. He got really excited. And I, I wanted to show it to him first to see if it was good <laughs> to other people. I thought it, I liked it, but w- what other people think is good. He loved it and said, oh, wow, you need to start showing this to people. So then I started showing it around town to management, to different managers and record labels. I showed it to Sony and immediately they just said, we love this. We love you. We want to sign you. And I mean, I didn't have one song out in the world. I didn't have, I had like a thousand followers on Instagram. They were my friends, you know. I'd, I hadn't done anything as far as, as an artist goes, but they really believed in me. And, and I'm so grateful to uh, be with them, to have the management that I have. Uh, uh, I'm with Make Wake, and I've, I've, I've known Cappy, my manager, for over a decade. And he's one of my best friends. He manages Luke Combs as well. And he's just a phenomenal, phenomenal guy. Um, he's from the same part of Georgia that I'm from. So we just get on really good. And I'm just really lucky and blessed to have these people who kind of, uh, when I just showed them my album, they just immediately loved it. They really didn't, weren't like, yeah, but maybe you do this, especially because of the way I made it, no one was like, Hey, you should put real drums on all on your record. You know, then it would really be good. Or you should put, you know, traditional bass on your record. Then it would really be good. If you took out the 808, they accepted me for who I am and the way I made my music, the way I made this album and, was like, I think people are gonna like this and I dig what you're doing, and I don't want to change change anything about you. And that I don't know. I just feel really blessed and lucky. I know that like the way I've done this has been um super untypical. uh typical.
0: <laughs> and but how just- rewarding, Nico, to have arguably the largest label in the history of music say, don't change a thing. We like you and we love this. When can we expect the full length? Um, we've gotten tastes of it. Are all the songs that we can currently find under the Nico moon library going to be on this album? Yeah. Um, and are we going to, is it going to stick to what you said an hour ago about your songs are happy songs? Is this going to be yeah. the feel good album of the, of 2021?
1: I hope so, man. The, the whole album is feel good. I wanted to to make the album be the kind of album where like you get out on your deck with your buddies and you're grilling, or maybe you're out on the lake, just wherever you're, it's like communal music where like, you'll kind of want to hang out with friends and family while you're listening to it. And there's not one song that you'll skip because it kind of kills the vibe because it's a little too serious or a little too sad. It's just once again, no pun intended, but good time music, the whole album is going to be good time vibes. So it'll be 14 songs. It's coming out in 2021. The, uh, the six that are out now are going to be part of it. And then I'm going to add eight on top of that for 14.
0: And, and when did
1: you say it will be out? 2021.
0: Oh, I can't wait. Um, (laughs) will, will, will we be able to, um, request a vinyl? Will it be available in vinyl?
1: Man, I'm gonna do everything I can to uh, make sure that it's on vinyl as well. Cause I personally really love vinyl me and uh, I really want it want to have it on vinyl for all, all my vinyl people out there. So was I'm that, sure they'll let me I don't see why they
0: would stop me. <laughs> yeah, I hope they do. Um, was there a Texas artist named Charlie Robinson that had a song called Good Times? Something's telling me. I don't do you have you ever listened to Bruce or Charlie Robinson, the Texas guys?
1: Uh no, no.
0: Oh man. You got to listen. Uh, he wrote, um, El Cerrito place that Chesney made a hit. Um, oh, cool! but Charlie has some albums called, uh, he's got a song called sunset Boulevard and a couple other ones, but he, he, I thought he made an album called good times or had a song about Texas lifestyle about good times. I don't know if, if nice. I'm, if I'm thinking about it wrong, but check out Charlie Robinson. If you get a chance, he's a, he All actually, right. he actually had something happen with, his vocal cords. That he had made an announcement like a year ago. Said he's never allowed to sing again or record again. Terrible. Wow. But he was married to the uh, the the fiddle player for the Dixie Chicks. I can't remember oh, her name. Okay. Either. I can't remember her name either. But um, or the Chicks, they're just called the Chicks now. Yeah. Um, this album though, Nico. When I when you when I picture my boat in the summertime and I picture the summer of twenty twenty one. This is needed. This is what we go back to, what you touched on before, of what music does to the soul. And when when, when Danny, my girlfriend, and I put on Dance With Me or Good Times, and we listen to what you're laying down, it's almost n- like needed as therapeutic for my, the way that I have my life right now, because I would be lying that I would say that there's no stress in my life, that there's no sadness in my life. The way that I, the way that I feel when I think about my nephew, missing his junior year of baseball. And now with the uprise of COVID again, the threat of him missing his senior year of baseball and the college scouts not being able to see him. The opportunities that I had, that I took for granted as a 18, 19 year old kid coming out of high school of being able to go to the next level of playing college or pro baseball, it's being taken away from thousands and thousands of people in our youth community right now. My daughter is nine. She just got her next volleyball tournament called off. In the big scheme of things, you're like, That's not that big a deal. There's people dying. I'm not saying that I'm not sad about all of it. I'm just saying that I am personally stricken by sadness. And I know that you are too, because you can, you, you can look at Instagram all day long and see how happy everybody is. I get that part of what we're going through in life right now with social media, but in the reality, your songs have the opportunity right now to make that barbecue on Saturday. A, a a time to freaking smile and forget about that pain, that sadness. And I think that that's important to be able to say, "Hey, I want to make people feel good because it's too much opportunity right now to be pessimistic, to be negative, to look down on what is being presented to us and not just I'm not even talking about me personally. I'm I'm a fighter. I'll make it. But I look at people that it's out of their control, like my nine-year-old daughter missing school a hundred days in a row and not having those social opportunities that you and I took for granted as a a fourth grader, right? So- Mm -hmm what I'm trying to say is that this music is so important to me to be able to turn on a radio, to be able to text you and say, bro, this stuff is awesome. And when I met you and when I, you know, got to see what your library was back then and what you keep maturing into, I think that it is such an awesome attitude to have that you are going to be able to put smiles on people's faces that, Need it, and I'm not trying to sound tacky or corny, Nego Moon. I'm simply saying that happiness and good times are freaking needed right now. Not in oh, not an overindulgence. I'm talking about we have to learn how to come together for the good times again. Because every single time you turn on the news or look into some kind of social media right now, or in some kind not social media, but in some kind of online newspaper, it's a lot of negativity in our world right now. So good for you of being able to say, look. I'm going to fly the flag of good times and positivity and optimism because that's all we have to go on. We can't get by on the negative side of things all the time.
1: Man, I couldn't have said it any better myself. I completely agree. You know, life is stressful. I don't care who you are, you know, life is stressful. And kind of what we touched on towards the beginning of the hang when we were talking about like that three minute and 30 second vacation to take you somewhere, I want to take you somewhere relaxing, somewhere fun and chill and positive. Um, so if I got you for three minutes and 30 seconds of the song or an hour and a half at the show, that's where I want to be, try to transport you to and just have fun. And you know, I, the, me wanting to do this was long before it was, you know, I started making an album two years ago. So it was long before any of this happened, but I I do feel, you know, very strongly that, that, uh, with everything going on, I completely agree, man. Good times are, are needed now more than ever, whether it's just, you know, spending time with family or whatever it may be, you know? So I'm hoping that hopefully these songs can, uh, maybe be a little, you know, soundtrack to some of these great memories that hopefully sooner than later we'll be making.
0: Man, I love it. And I think it's, uh, just such a cool stance of and your your optimism and your ability to see all of the different like you said progressive country music there's different forms of what i may have grew up on or what my dad grew up on and i thought it was very very keen in what you said of when merle came along or the outlaws that was completely different music than what merle's dad was listening to when he grew up and that's
1: long hair and it's everything (laughs) about them was just so what they were talking about I mean, you so talking different. about doing drugs and stuff. It was just like otherworldly to like the generation before that, you know. But I love it all. You know, it's like it's it's almost like how we talk about how we love rock and we love uh, hip hop and we love all these different genres. You know, I love every every chapter of country music. Sometimes I love to go back and listen to the the old 40s and 50s country, or go back to that 80s country or 90s. Is like 90s country is my go-to, you know. So. Oh, you know, it's all great for it's for for their own little unique reasons. And I'm glad that country's always evolving and changing. It's just new little flavors to be able to enjoy.
0: End it by telling me this about will we get to see you with Zach Brown anymore? Are you gonna write with Zach anymore? Will you be on stage with Zach? And when you would be around that atmosphere. Knowing that you're this musician from Georgia and you've seen so many different acts come out there from Dallas Davidson to Red Akins, the Jason Aldean to the Zach Brown band, to Travis Tritt, to Alan Jackson, all of these guys made the move to Nashville, the 16th and 17th Avenue, worked their way up in the honky tonks, the neon lights. All of a sudden you see a friend with this many buses and this many 18 wheelers and this many stagehands and this many roadies and all of these guitar techs and all of these cases full of all these instruments and on a different level, right? Is this inspiration to you, Nico moon? Does it drive you to see a buddy with that success, to stay humble and to be, to give back the way that Zach has through camp Southern ground and his, his charities and everything that he does with his philanthropy, Does that drive you to get to that level? Or would you tell me that you're fine just putting out good music with good vibes all the time? Or is there that burning desire in you that you want that sold out Fenway Park couple nights in a row in 2021? How do you, what is your outtake? Do you want to keep building into this? And how does somebody with such a positive attitude of a happy go lucky attitude, like the guy on your shirt that was always talking about, Where do you see yourself? Do you have those goals that you want to be where Zach got to? Or is it just stay in your lane and see what happens kind of deal?
1: That's a great question. You know, I learned a lot from Zach. And I think the two biggest things I learned from him was, one, to be myself. He's completely himself. You know, he is who he is regardless of some sort of uh, any, any kind of boxes that anybody wants to put him in. He's just going to be true to himself. And so I've really taken that with me and I'm doing my best to be me. And this is it, you know, and the music that I make, this is who I am. Uh, And I hope you like it. And if you don't, it's all good, you know, but I gotta, I gotta be me. And the other thing that I really took was, you know, I knew him back when he was playing this little, these little dive bars in, In Georgia, he used to play this place every Wednesday night called the Dixie Tavern, which, I mean, if you crowned every possible person into that bar, you might get 150, 200 people in this bar. I mean, I used to watch him every every Wednesday night jam out, you know, and sit in with him. And to watch him go from that to like what you said, two, three nights in a row at Fenway, seeing your buddy go do something, go from 200 people to two nights in a row at Fenway kind of blows any sort of limitations that a person could maybe put on themselves out the water. Cause you literally just watch someone go literally from zero to a hundred. And so in my mind, I don't really have any aspirations to like do what he's done or anything like that. My goal is, is, or the way I view it is, is that there's definitely no limit to what this could become uh, because I've seen how there isn't a limit, how there wasn't one with him, you know, and he took it as absolutely far as, as it could possibly go for him. And for me, wherever it goes, it goes. And I'm happy with that. Um, But of course I want to be able to take this as far as I possibly can so that I can connect with as many people, as I possibly can. And wherever that leads, whether it's, uh, you know, 500 people or, or, uh, 50,000, we'll, we'll find out together.
0: (laughs) Well, I will be a hundred percent transparent and honest with you, Nico moon is that I hope in a kind of a selfish way that COVID ends much sooner than concert season 2021, because I can picture myself listening to you jive just jam and the jive and the soul and the lyrics and the authenticity of the music holding the red solo cup with a little bit of jack daniels in it with a smile on my face with my friends and my loved ones with optimist optimism in my foreground negativity in my rear view i want that whole idea of being able to not dwell on the past is going to be more important in 2021 personally for me and i feel like for a lot of people than ever before like let's not dwell on what just happened we just went through some stuff that we were meant to go through everything happens for a reason let's get through it let's love one another and let's get to a nico moon show you know a nico moon show and be able to just sit there and sway and watch the sun go down and just hear that sound and the good times and see your smile. To me, that's everything. I'm glad that I got the cross paths with you three years ago. I'm glad that I'm still in touch with you. I'm so humbled and proud to see you growing in the record deal and the mute and the Sony deal and the publishing deals and everything that you're doing with the new Morgan Wallen cut. The new Dirks Bentley cup is a cut is a genius song. I listened to it twice yesterday. I love what you're doing, bro. Thank you so much for staying humble and being true to who you are. Are. I can't wait Thank to see you God. in person soon, my man.
1: Man, I'm so pumped. Thanks for having me. This was, this was awesome. I don't get the chance to like talk music like this, you know, like really talk about it. And it's, it's, it's been so much fun. Thanks for having me. I can't, I can't wait either, man. I got a feeling that, uh, you know, it's interesting. I, I think when you go through something like we, what the whole world's kind of gone through, it's, it's almost similar to kind of going through, uh, a, uh, a, Any other kind of hardship, like say maybe if someone close to you passes away, it brings this clarity to to how precious life is. And I feel like having this really difficult situation with COVID that we've gone through uh, worldwide, I feel like as humanity, it's really like, brought us closer to, to to realizing how beautiful and precious and finite life is. And so when we are able to get together in mass and enjoy life, whether it be through concerts or sporting events or whatever it may be, just, uh, I got a feeling that, that it's, people are really going to take the time to embrace that. And, and it's going to mean so much more than it did before. And we're going to be so much more thankful for it. And, you know, that's, that's hopefully a little bit of the silver lining in this whole situation. Cause it's like you said, it's important that we find the silver lining and all this, and that this was, you know, that there was some positive to to come out of this, not just negative.
0: I love it, man. I love the way you lay it down. I love how influential you are. And I'm talking like, listen to this man's music, listen to his lyrics and just put yourself in a spot to be happy, to be forgetful of what we have been going through, even if it is just for three and a half minutes, that's what a Nico Moon song can do for you. And the best part about a Nico Moon song is that you can hit that button that says R-E-P-E-A-T. Repeat. That's (laughs) what I've been doing. I just been hammered down and I, I get like that on a kick. I'll get on a Nico Moon kick. I'll have to listen to all of them four, three or four times a day, Brett Cobb. I got to listen to shine on rainy day to put me back and and, and ground me again. I got to listen to one hell of a fight by Adam hood to make sure that I understand that we're all in this fight together. I, I love music. I love what you stand for Nico moon. Thank you so much for being here. Let's do it again soon. Um, everybody can find you. Tell us where to find you on Instagram.
1: Yeah. Just Nico moon
0: at Nico Moon and he's got merch he's got music and there's so much more to come with the Nico Moon career I'm proud to know him and I'm proud for his career thank you so much y'all go see Nico Moon in 2021 when we're back out on the road together we're all going on tour together the good times tour y'all be ready for it I'm Chad Belding this has been another episode of this Life Ain't for Everybody podcast thank you all so much for the subscriptions and the downloads and telling your friends and family where to find us Tom hit that button can we go out with the Nico Moon song today is it okay Hey, do you know somebody that can do that, or will we get in trouble with publishing?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, you, oh, you want we go- me to play something?
0: No. Do you want to play
1: one? It doesn't matter. Whatever. You- I thought that's what you
0: meant. Do you have <laughs> a guitar close by? Yeah, yeah, I do. Hold on. You- will you play us Good Times? Yeah. Oh, my Gotta gosh. We're going gonna- to right get to hear Good Times by Nico Moon. I'm unplugging this, and... Uh, you ready almost (laughs) is this going to be good times right here we're going to get to go out with it yeah let's do it i was trying to get danny to come on here to watch this she'd freak out (laughs) might not be she might not be by her phone If she comes on All right, this is Nico Moon Good times to take us out Thank you all for listening to the podcast
1: We just trying to catch a good time Even if it takes all night Pass that bottle around the campfire Sipping apple pie moonshine Yeah, we picking on them guitars Just right Everybody singing Dixieland Delight like a barber on a wet line We just trying to catch a good time 80 degrees and the sun ain't even out you gotta spot a couple miles out of town When that moon comes up, you know it's going down We got them folding chairs leaning way back No other plans other than to relax we ain't worried about tomorrow from where we at. Because we just trying to catch a good time, even if it takes all night. Pass that bottle around the campfire, sipping apple pie moonshine. Yeah, we picking on them guitars just right. Everybody singing Dixie Land of Light. A barber on a wet line. We just trying to catch a good time. Way down here, we all got that southern draw, We take our time when we talking, Hey y'all. Yeah, it don't take much for us to have it all. Just about a night this clear makes your problems disappear. So Gonna stay right here and let the world go by. We just trying to catch a good time, even if it takes all night. Pass that bottle around the campfire, sipping apple pie moonshine. Yeah, we picking on them guitars just right. Everybody singing Dixie Land Delight. Like a on a wet line We just trying to catch a good time Something about a night this clear Makes your problems disappear So we just gonna stay right here And let the world go by We just trying to catch a good time Even if it takes all night has that bottle around the campfire, sipping apple poppin' moonshine. Yeah, we picking on them guitars just right. Everybody singin' big, see, landed like a on a wet line. We just tryin' to catch a good time. Yeah, we tryin' to catch a good time. Good time trying to catch a good time. Good time. Yeah, we trying to catch a good time. Good time. Yeah, we trying to catch a good time. Good time. Oh, I think I got a bite.